Do you wonder as you watch my face if a wiser one should have had my place? But I
The one and only son, Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's the glory of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, I know for many of us, we know Jesus Christ. He has changed our lives. We have what we call a testimony. He did something great in our life. And maybe there are some of you here this morning that you are saying, I've never, I've never given my heart to Jesus. So I don't, I don't understand what that means. I come to church every now and then. But what does it mean that we... We see his glory. What is that all about? What does it mean that we were once in darkness, but now we have seen a great light? That's what Christmas is all about. Many people try to stop Christmas from happening. They try to take Christ out of Christmas. They try to take Jesus out of Christmas. But you can't take Jesus out of Christmas because that's what Christmas is about. Okay, let's not use Christmas then. Let's just say happy holidays. You're trying to change a person, not a day. Because we don't celebrate the day, we celebrate Jesus. He wasn't even born on Christmas Day. Sorry to burst some of your bubbles, but Jesus was not born on Christmas Day. We celebrate his birthday on that day, but we don't celebrate the day, we celebrate Jesus. Now we have presents, we have trees, we have decorations, we have all of that. But even with that, some people just don't like this season. People try to take Jesus out of TV, out of school, out of the media. They try to silence people. Listen very carefully. Christmas can't be stopped because Jesus can't be stopped. Ever since the beginning of time, they tried to stop the things of God. People tried to stop Jesus Christ from becoming the king that he is. They even tried to stop his birth from happening and even him rising up to become who he was destined to be. In fact, King Herod, the Pharisees, even the devil himself tried to stop Jesus in what he was supposed to do. Now, we're in our series, Seeking the Savior, so you can take out your notes. And if this is your first time, what the notes will do is it will help you to follow along with what we're going to be talking about today. Every single one of us, every single person, non-believer or believer, will be able to receive the promises of God through Christmas by understanding why Christmas can't be stopped. Christmas brings promises because Christmas is not a day, it's a person. That's who we're celebrating. We're celebrating Jesus Christ. I'm going to read to us what took place in why we celebrate Christmas. It's found in the book of Matthew. In your Bible, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. If not, I will read to us the story. Some of you have a Bible app on your phone. You can uh, go to that if you want. Matthew chapter 1, it's in the New Testament. And I'll read from verse 18 to chapter 2, verse 23. And I want you to use your imagination, okay? Remember when we were in elementary school, our teachers would say, okay, children, use your imagination. And then they would tell a story. Well, I'm saying this to... Children, as well as adults, use your imagination. I want you to think Bible times. I want you to think what they were going through and, and what was taking place, okay? So, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. 
After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. When Joseph, her husband, being, oh, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her first, firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Chapter 2, when, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Oh, when Herod heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, Oh, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least of the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And then when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Now last week we learned that wasn't his motive. We learned that King Herod wanted to destroy Jesus as a baby. But when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. So, the, so Jesus was already a toddler at that time. That's how long it took them to get to their home. Never have bus. So they had to walk or go by, you know, camel or donkey. So I'm just giving you, the, don't think that they had a car. And, then, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Joseph is always dreaming. Like he's constantly sleeping. Sounds like me, a man, constantly sleeping. But how are we going to hear the Lord, right? We need these dreams. So in order to get dreams, you got to be sleeping, right, men? Yeah, yeah, sure. So he says, arise, 
Take the young child and his mother. Flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And where and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its districts from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the wise men, then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream, again, to Joseph, in Egypt, saying, Arise, Take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. And he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he, became, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, he shall be called a Nazarene. Interesting story. Interesting to see how all of this comes into play. How when Jesus was born, there were people who were trying to destroy him. People also wanted to see him. They wanted to worship him. But not everyone understood the full scope of what was taking place. Mary and Joseph was getting a glimpse of what God was trying to do in and through them. But as time passed, more and more people began to understand there's something different about this baby. He's a different kind of baby. He's, he has a destiny. There's something different. See, Christmas, Christmas should be about love and, and joy and uh, great times together or peace and you know, drinking cocoa together, sitting by a fireplace or warming yourself around the fire and family. And although it can be, Christmas also brings conflict. I mean, with just what we read, there was a lot of conflict that was taking place. But imagine, even without Christmas, we all have conflict. But for some reason, this season brings up a lot of conflict. There's more traffic. There are more, there are more lines in the store People are more uh, stressed out. We're, we're a little bit more on edge. We have no money left. So everyone is strapped for finances and even time. So many things to do. So many parties to go to. Our children are involved in different things, different uh, performances, recitals, plays, all of these activities. And Christmas feels like the busiest time for family. And it can bring a lot of conflict. Conflict will always be here. We'll always have conflict. In fact, yesterday I had to deal with conflict. Last night, I couldn't find my slippers. And this is how I deal with it. Watch this. this I, I had to video this. Oh, did you take my slippers? Where's my slipper? Actually, only one slipper. You took one slipper. Where is my slipper? Bo, where is my slipper? Did you take my slipper? I know it was you. You're the only one who would take my slipper. Bo. Bo, look at me. 
Did you just sigh? That's okay. Okay. Wait, wait till I feed you. Watch how much food I give you. Yeah, we'll see who has a Merry Christmas. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No biscuits for Bo. I know he took my slipper and I can't find it. Now, has someone ever done that to you? They take something of yours and you can't find it, or, or someone borrows something and then they don't give it back, and then you feel that tension? Now, that's how many of you have dogs? You have, so you understand what goes on, right? It, it, it happens. Now, imagine just a normal family conflict, just with dealing with each other, your spouse, your children, your parents, your coworkers, people in general. We, we all have conflict. There's always something that we're dealing with. There's always going to be some type of conflict. And here's what's interesting. When we think about peace here on this earth and we say, you know, Christmas time is a time of peace, that Jesus came to bring peace. He came to bring a different kind of peace. It's not like the world's kind of peace. Jesus brought a kind of peace that the world would never understand. You're going to experience conflict and, and having a, a, like a non-peaceful kind of environment that happens in your heart during this season. You're going to have family parties. You're going to have family members. You're going to encounter people that you don't want to be around. You're going to have people that you, you're always around and you always have conflict. And so you're kind of dreading maybe even the Christmas party or the family party because there's that one person that uh, they just, I hope they don't act like this. I hope they don't bring this up. I hope they don't talk about this because every time we get together, they always talk about this. And honey, if they start bringing this up, change the subject. And we, we, because we deal with that. I mean, we deal with, with small things. Someone will come to your house, maybe you're, you're a family member, and, and they'll see a charger. Hey, that's my charger, huh? That's, no, that's, that's mine. No, no, that's my charger. See the sticker is peeling. That's mine. No, that's, I brought that. That's Shalise. Shalise, he brought that charger. I don't know. Why are you asking me for? I'm not his mother. Well, don't you get mad? I'm not mad. Why are you asking me for? I got to take care of him. Well, I just asking if that was his charger that he brought with him. No, ask me. Ask him. I did. He said, you knew. And then you fight. And then now you're trying to discuss whose charger that is. Hey, you always take my stuff. I don't always take your stuff. Yeah, you always take my stuff. Remember, you took my comb in fourth grade. Fourth grade, yeah. Remember the family picture? Yeah, the picture, my fourth grade picture hanging up on mom's wall. You see my hair? That's why ugly, because you took my comb. I never, oh yeah, I took your comb. Yeah, it is an ugly picture. <laughs> and like small things we fight over, small, tiny things. What are we going to do when it's the big things? What are we going to do when it is an issue? When it has to do with health? Or when it has to do with a, a marital issue or a family or the teenager who just does not want to listen or the parent who just doesn't get it. If, we're, if, we, if we can't deal with the small things, how are we going to deal with the big things? See, I think we can look at this Christmas story and say, wow, all of these people, they're trying to stop Jesus from becoming king. But I wonder if for many of us, we try to stop Jesus from being king of our hearts. Because in every conflict that we're going to come across, I guarantee you, you can find that Jesus is somewhere in that conflict. Maybe it's Jesus trying to show love to someone else. Maybe it's Jesus saying, humble yourself. Maybe it's Jesus saying, just calm down, be patient. 
You don't know if, if this is true or not. So hang on. And maybe Jesus is doing something in our hearts. I would say this. Today, because Christmas can't be stopped, let's be people who surrender to Christ. There are reasons why Christmas cannot be stopped. In fact, it started long ago, this thing called conflict. It started way back when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. You remember when they sinned? The first thing they did was they blamed one another. In fact, Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the devil. And it's so, it's same thing nowadays. We blame one another. Conflict will always be here. But Jesus brings a different kind of conflict. And it's a good conflict. In fact, in the book of Genesis, look at your notes. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it says, and this is after they sinned, and God speaks this. He speaks this to the serpent, the devil, and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. From the very beginning, God was already setting up what Jesus was going to do. That Jesus came to crush the ways of the enemy. That even though the devil was going to try and stop Jesus from fulfilling his destiny, from fulfilling the promise that God was going to send his one and only son and die for all of us, the devil has been trying to stop Christ from happening. And we still see it in our world today. We try to, not us, but people try to silence the name Jesus from the media, from billboards, from anything, any public area. You can talk about anything. You can talk about horrible things, but once you mention in the name of Jesus, oh, everybody gets bent out of shape. Hey, okay, we can't talk about that. That's, that's imposing your religion on us. Sorry to say, but Jesus is not a religion. He's a relationship. You can't stop Christmas because you can't stop Christ. People have been trying from the very beginning. Someone can say whatever they want, but when it comes to Jesus, all the flags go up. And they say, hang on, you, you can't say that. You, you're not able to show that on the TV. Uh, you're going to have to turn your shirt inside out because the name Jesus is on your shirt. They try their very best to silence Jesus. But you can't. You just can't. But that's the ways of the world, trying to stop Jesus. There will never be peace on earth until us, as men and women, are well-pleasing to God. Because the peace that Jesus came to bring wasn't like how the world sees peace. In fact, he says in Luke 12, verse 51, do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? And this might shock all of us. No, I have come to divide people against each other. Wait a minute, what? Jesus didn't come to divide. He came to bring peace. From now on, families will be split apart. Three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. You know what Jesus is saying? When you stand for him, not everybody will follow. You might be the husband of the home and you're saying, or as the father of the home, or the, as the Bible says, the head of the household, and you're saying, we're going to follow Jesus. We're going to go to church. This is going to be a part of our relationship with God. We're going to learn from him. And not everybody in your family is going to agree. You're going to be divided in your own family because of Jesus Christ. You may be the mother or the wife, and you're saying the same thing. You're saying, this is, we're going to follow Jesus Christ. And some people in the family would say, oh, you go. You go for me. Pray for me when you go to church. 
hey, go, go pray for me. Here's a dollar. Go give him for the offering for me. And you say that on behalf of you. The family is divided. Christ didn't come to bring peace on earth like how we want peace on earth. He came to bring peace in a different kind of way. Here's some things that we can learn when it comes to Christmas. Here's the first thing, that Christmas is a personal gift for me. It's a personal gift. God didn't send his one and only son and just leave it at that and say, okay, I hope, uh, hope all goes well, and I, uh, I hope you guys can find him. I hope you guys figure it out. No, he gave prophetic words that would say, this is my son. He gave Mary and Joseph dreams to protect Jesus so that he wouldn't be destroyed. As Jesus was growing up, how many times he would say to people, I am about my father's business. He would specifically say specific things because it's not just random that Jesus came. It is a personal gift for you and I because Christmas is not a day that we celebrate. It's a person that we celebrate. And his name is Jesus Christ. John 14, 27. Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. See, that's why we have conflict. It's because it's a different kind of peace. It's not the peace that the world can bring. Is the world getting any better? Just turn on the news. I mean, it's, it's a, if, if you don't know Jesus Christ and you don't know the hope that he came to bring and you watch the news and you see what's going on in the world, yes, you would have no hope. You would, you would look at the world and say, no sense. I might as well be in it for me. I might as well just do what I need to do to take care of myself because the world is going crazy. I mean, we just seen what happened in New York City just with what happened to these police officers, and some people are thankful that that happened. We are living in a world that has forgotten the gift of life. We, we live in a world that they've forgotten that we have a Savior. We live in a world that people are now in it for themselves, making their own rules. And Jesus says, the peace that I bring is not of the world. See, the world's way of peace is no conflict. If there is no conflict, we'll all be at peace. Jesus says, no, you won't. Because you're still going to have a lack of peace here. Yeah, there can be no conflict around the world, but you, you still don't have peace. Because peace is not a feeling and it's not no conflict. Peace is a person. That's the peace of God. That's why Christmas can't be stopped. Because no one can stop God's peace from coming into our hearts. It just can't be stopped. The peace that God brings to us surpasses all human comprehension. And when we understand that, we have his peace. We can understand that, wait a minute, we live differently than the ways of the world. The world has a different way of looking at peace. In fact, 2 Corinthians 6, 14, it says, How can light live with darkness? 
Light cannot live with darkness. That's why we have conflict in our homes too. Some of you are just full of joy. Hi, honey, I'm home. Ah. You're like, okay, I don't want to bother you. Light cannot live with darkness. It's hard for the two to be together. In fact, when you turn on a light, darkness flees. And that's what Jesus came to bring. That's why those who were in darkness has seen a great light. And that light is the light of Christ. You're going to have division. It's, it's going to be here. It's that battle between good and evil. We have Christmas parties, family get-togethers. You're going to have conflict. You're going to see it happening. Some of you watched football. You watched your game yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Your team went down. But that's okay. But probably had some conflict going on on the inside. Some of you are probably cheering for teams that you would never cheer for, but you needed them to win. Interesting, isn't it? That's the human heart. We're up and down. We want this. We want that. We don't want this. We don't want that. Where is peace going to come from? It has to come from God, a different kind of peace. And many people have a hard time during this season because there's conflict going on inside. I would say this. Instead of trying to stop Jesus from reigning in our hearts, let him do so. Our old ways don't work anymore. It just doesn't work. Let's do this new way that God has brought to us that brings an inner peace. Not waiting for peace to happen on the outside, but to happen on the inside. And before the first Christmas came, which is Jesus being born, and we talked about it a little bit last week, Zacharias heard from the Lord, and and the Lord said to him, you're going to have a son. You and your wife Elizabeth are going to have a son, and his name is John, who is John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. And then an angel appears to Mary and Joseph, telling them that they will have a son who will be the Savior of the world. Now, if our If our greatest need was for us to have more information, then God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need was to have more technology, then God would have sent us an engineer. If our greatest need was to have more money, then God would have sent us an economist. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God gave us a Savior And thank God that he gave us a Savior. That's what we need. Think about the brilliance in this room. How many smart people are in this room. Can change the world. But we can only go so far with human intellect. That's why if you're trying to come to know Jesus Christ through intellect, you're going to have a difficult time because you can always think your way out. That's why he says, for anyone to come to me must believe You've got to come to me with faith because there are things that I do that you just can't believe even if you saw it. You need faith to believe in Jesus Christ. So when Jesus was born and the wise men came to seek him out, they come to King Herod, king of Judea, and ask him about the king of the Jews that we may come to worship him. And so the wise men bring Jesus, you know, the three different gifts. They brought him gold because that signified his kingship. And he's a king, a, a different kind of king, a king not of this world. They brought frankincense because that was an incense that they would burn at the, at the temple, a fragrance that would be given to God as signifying Jesus becoming our high priest. And then myrrh, which was an, uh, an embalming element that when someone would die, that's what they would use to embalm the body, signifying that Jesus would die for our sins. 
These gifts meant something. There was significance in these gifts. But even still, Herod didn't understand. The Pharisees tried to kill Jesus. In fact, they did. They put him on the cross while he was 33 years old. But all this time while Jesus was growing up, they weren't concerned about this baby king. The Pharisees could care less about this baby king because they wanted the adult king. In fact, they wanted the adult king because the adult king would line their pockets with financial security. And so they were okay with having a king over them, even being God's people. So they didn't want King Jesus. Because when Jesus came and the things that he said and the things that he talked about, it's like they didn't receive anything here on this earth tangibly that would give them more power, more prestige, more, more influence with people. In fact, they didn't want Jesus because they would have to humble themselves. Sounds like many of us. Sounds like, sounds like me many times that, boy, I, I got to humble myself in order for Jesus to work in my heart. And sometimes we try to stop that happening because it's difficult for us to humble ourselves. See, Christmas is a personal gift because Christ is personal. He's not a religion. He's personal. It's a personal gift for you and I. The second thing we learn is that Christmas reminds me to worship Jesus. That's what Christmas does. It reminds us to worship Jesus. What do you mean, worship Jesus? I didn't even know Jesus yet, much less worship him. But did you know that every single person worships during Christmas? Everyone worships during Christmas. No, 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 no. I know some people, they don't worship during Christmas. Yes, they do. No, they don't believe in God. They don't worship during Christmas. In fact, they're an atheist. They don't even believe in a God. So they don't worship at Christmas. Yes, every single person worships during Christmas. I didn't say they worship Jesus during Christmas, but every single person worships something. See, that word worship is actually taken from an old English word meaning worth-ship, meaning you give value and, and worth to someone or something. For some people, they may not worship Jesus, but they worship that person in the mirror. That's their God. Oh, no, no, I don't worship myself. I don't worship myself. You worship something. If we don't worship Jesus, we're worshiping something else. That's where conflict takes place. And it's going to happen because Christ can't be stopped. The question is, who's going to be Lord of your life? Is it going to be something else or is it going to be Jesus? Because you're going to worship what you serve and you're going to serve what you worship. It's going to happen that way. You can tell a lot about a person by their service and what they worship. You can see so much in a person with just watching their service. These priests and scribes, they knew about the Messiah. The scribes were the one that would record. And they, they knew about the Messiah, but they still didn't get it. If you were a chief priest in the temple, or a scribe, wouldn't you want to check out what was happening with Mary and Joseph and the baby? Because you knew all the prophecies that were taking place. You knew what was lining up. You knew what was happening. And they're only about five miles away. I mean, think about it. If, 
If you knew all your life that there was supposed to be a Messiah, the chosen one that would save you from all of your sins, that would save the world from eternal separation with God, and then you heard just a little bit of, wait a minute, this kind of sounds like the book of Isaiah. This kind of sounds like the book of Micah. This kind of sounds like what was happening in the, in the book of Genesis. What? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check this out. But they didn't care about it. They couldn't see what God was doing. And I wonder if, I wonder if we cannot see what God is doing. That we have a difficult time seeing what God sees. Because these guys, they knew a lot. But it's interesting. Those who knew so much really knew so little. They knew a lot, but they understood so little. And they couldn't grasp what was happening with Jesus Christ. Philippians 2, 8 through 11, speaking of Jesus Christ, that he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. That's why it's pretty interesting that when you talk about Jesus, things change in the room. You'll sense it. Nobody wants to hear it. They'll even tell you that. Stop telling me about Jesus already. I'm tired of you telling me about Jesus, which maybe in some cases we may, you know, too much telling people, you know, you're going to die, go to hell. If you don't receive Jesus, you're going to die, go to hell, you receive Jesus. And we keep saying the same thing over and over. They're like, my goodness. Just leave me alone. I know already. And I know out of the love of our hearts, sometimes we want our children or, or you know, people to know about Christ but let's just not shove Jesus down people's throats. Let's just love people into the kingdom of God. We can talk to them about Jesus Christ, but there's a way to do that. And he humbled himself, and God elevated him, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and every tongue on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We will either bow to Jesus now as our Lord and Savior, or we're going to bow to him when he returns as judge. We're going to bow as, at one point. I'd rather bow to him as my Savior, not as my judge. Because I already know what I did wrong. I know I'm already guilty in my sin. But because of Jesus Christ, he washed me clean. Now I'm no longer counted as unrighteous in his eyes. I'm now a child of the king. I am now adopted into his family. I like how one pastor said it. He said, the same sun that softens the wax hardens the clay. Jesus can either soften our hearts or we can choose to be hardened by Jesus. And sometimes some of the most hardest hearts are found in church. Jesus will speak to us and will say, oh, no, that's not for me. Oh, yeah, 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 I understand what you're saying. I know that already. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I memorized that scripture already. Yeah, I can even say them with you. I know all the versions. I, I get them, I get them, I get them. And it's like we never receive anymore. Or I've been walking with Jesus for like 30 years. That should count for something. And we never hear from him after that. We don't receive anymore. But Jesus humbled himself even further by serving. And I thought, boy, if the Son of God humbled himself, how much more do I need to humble myself? 
How much more during this season that it reminds me, that's my worship to God. Some of us may think, worship, I don't, I don't like worship. That's why I don't come during worship. I come, I just like the word. I like the word of God. Listen, you can't receive from Jesus if you don't even worship him. He's worthy to be worshiped. And if I can't even worship who I call as my Lord and Savior, something is wrong in my relationship with him. Yeah, but I don't like singing songs. Well, that's the first problem. Not that you don't sing or, you know, you don't have a hard time. We think singing songs is worship to God. It's a part of worship. It's a portion of worship. It's a way we worship, but it is not the only way we worship God. He says, your life and your service to me is an act of worship. So how do I act with people? How do I respond with people at work or in my family? Is that my worship to God? How do I worship Jesus Christ? Am I worshiping him? Am I serving him well? Am I being an example to him? The same word that touches our heart can harden our heart. And if we're not careful, we can become like King Herod and the Pharisees. We can become like them. Or we can be like the wise men who came to Jesus and worshiped him. It's our choice. It's going to be us. Galatians 4, 4 through 6 says, but when the time, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy our freedom for us, who are slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. It's that Hebrew term that's equivalent to us saying daddy or papa. You know, when my children were young, they would, when I would come home, they would yell, daddy, and they would run up to me and jump on my leg, and they would want to play with me. Or my grandchildren, they would run up to me, papa, and they'd jump all over me. You, your children are like that. They'll call you daddy because there's a relationship there. There's a, there's a father-to-son relationship, father-to-daughter relationship. They'll call you daddy, and they'll run up to you. If you run up to me and you jump on my leg and you jump on my back and you say, Daddy, I'm going to be like, okay, something's wrong. This is definitely not supposed to happen like this. It just, it doesn't work because there's no daddy relationship there. But the same is true even with the mommies. When your children run up to you, there's a relationship there. They'll kiss you all over the place and they'll kiss you. You love them. You'll cuddle with them. You don't do that with anyone else. There's a specific relationship. That's what Jesus was saying when we call out Abba, Father. You're saying, Daddy, there's that personal relationship that's your worship to him. That you're saying, I love you this much. That's my worship unto you. Herod and the Pharisees were doing their very best so that worship couldn't be given to Jesus. The devil himself tried to stop Jesus from being born. The devil himself tried along the way to stop Jesus from fulfilling his purpose, even the devil tried to stop Christmas, but you can't stop Christmas because Christ can't be stopped. It was when Jesus was about to go into his public ministry about the age of 30, and he fasted for 40 days, and then he went into the wilderness, and that's when the devil showed up and tried to tempt Jesus. 
And he tempted Jesus in, in his identity and said, well, if you were the son of God, then do this. Well, you know, if you can, then jump off this cliff and the angels will save you. If you can do this, if you can do that, prove to me you're the son of God. But the very area, the last area that the devil tried to trick Jesus in was the area of worship. That he said to Jesus, if you, you see everything that, that is here, I own it all. I have all the riches that you want, Jesus. Any position that you want in this world. Whatever kingdom you want, I can give to you. I own it all. All you need to do, Christ, is just bow down and worship me. That's all you have to do. I love what Jesus says because this is how valuable worship is. In Luke chapter 4, verse 8, Jesus replied, The scriptures say, or in some versions of our Bibles, it says, It is written. You must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. See, you will worship what you serve and you will serve what you worship. It's just an act of who we are. But if you love God and you worship him, you're going to serve him. And when you serve him, it's an act of your worship to him. I know as parents, we can, we can definitely relate to this. We can say to our family members that when we get conflict or when we're frustrated and and we have a hard time with what's happening in our families, we would just say, look, if you just listen, look, if, if like you gather all the family together, okay, I'm going to speak calm, okay? I'm not going to lose it. Look, daddy is calm. I'm not yelling. I'm just saying, if you just listen to me and do what I ask, nobody catch cracks. Nobody get lickings. I'm not going to yell. But the only time you listen is when I yell. So just listen. And moms, you do the same thing. You just kind of, okay. When mom says to do the dishes, just do the dishes. Just listen. In fact, I'll make it easy for you. I'll make it easy for you. I'll write it up over here. See, I'll write it. So all you need to do when you come home from school, look at this list and say, all I got to do is my homework, clean the dishes, clean my room. Okay, I'm good. That's all you got to do. If everyone just listens to me and do what I ask, we would all be a happy family. Okay, you guys got it? Okay. And does everybody listen? No. But then I thought, wait a minute. I wonder if God says the same thing. I wonder if God looks at us and says, if you only would listen to me, if you only would listen to what I say, everything would be good. In fact, you know, I will write it down for you. I'll write it down, and all you need to do is you look at it and you obey it. Everything would be good. Not just take bits and pieces, but the whole entire written word. That's what Jesus said. It's written. He followed this. Now, I'm sure God is not like us. We're impatient. God is patient with us. Thank God for his patience. Thank God for his compassion. Thank God for his love. We just need to learn that from him. And it's hard because there's always going to be conflict. But that's part of our worship to him. Christmas cannot bring you peace. Christmas cannot bring you joy. The kind of joy that you're looking for. It cannot heal your family, nor can Christmas heal your distant relationships that you have, even with your loved ones. 
Christmas cannot satisfy your heart's desires. Christmas can never do that, but Christ can. If you're looking for the season to fill you with joy, it's not going to last. Watch our children when they open the gift. Oh, look at this. Oh, this is what I always wanted. Oh, this is awesome. Two days later, broken. <laughs> They're not even using it. it. A present can only bring so much joy. But when you worship the Lord, his joy becomes your strength. It's a different kind of peace. It's a different kind of joy. Because number three, Christmas is God's promise to me. Well, how does that work in my life? Because Christmas does bring all kinds of problems. It, it, does, it does bring up a lot of conflict. Christmas does add a lot to our season and our schedule and our time frame. But Christmas does bring great things too. It brings us joy for a little bit. It brings us together as family. It brings us food. We love that. It brings good things. But Christmas, the day and the season that we celebrate, the decoration, the trees, the lights, and, and the festivities that happen is a small glimpse of God's promise to us through the person of Jesus Christ, not the day. I mean, we didn't even celebrate Christmas yet, uh, Christmas yet and some of us are already like, I can't wait till it's over. But it's just a glimpse of what God came to bring and the promises that he has for us. See, when Christ is involved, now Christmas becomes a promise of something better that Christmas cannot deliver, but Christ can. Christ was the gift that God gave to us that cannot be stopped. Christ cannot be stopped. You can reject Christ. You can reject this gift, but it still does not stop God from sending his love towards you and I. It does not stop God from giving this free gift of eternal life. In fact, Romans 6.23, it tells us, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I look at it this way. No one can stop God's personal gift to you. No one can stop that. No one can stop, and I'm so thankful, no one can stop you from receiving Christ. No one can do that. Even if someone were to tell you, or let's just say your parents or someone, they said, you know what? I don't want you to receive Jesus. Okay. You know what is interesting? Jesus can still come into your heart. All your life you could have been told something, but there's just something inside that says this is right. To accept Jesus into your heart. Something inside of your heart says something's missing. And I've tried everything else. But maybe it is Christ. Nothing can stop God's love from entering into your heart. He loves you enough to give you his son as a free gift. Yes, it can be rejected. But it doesn't stop God from pouring out his promises to you and I. The other day, my grandson, Jaden, he's five years old. I just wanted to see if he understood Christmas and the birth of Jesus Christ. So I said, hey, Jaden, um, what are we celebrating on Christmas Day? What is, what is Christmas all about? He goes, presents? I said, okay, yeah, there are presents, but whose birthday are we celebrating on Christmas Day? And he says, mine. I said, no, your birthday is in November. We're done with your birthday. 
whose birthday are we celebrating on Christmas? They stopped and they thought. So I had to help him. I said, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. He looks at me, he thinks, and he said, my Jesus? And I thought, a five-year-old gets it. He's a personal savior. My Jesus? And just when he said that, I thought, oh, that's so cute. And he said, my Jesus. I didn't even know what to tell him. Like, yeah, but he's mine too. So I didn't want to go there. Like, oh, are we sharing Jesus now? But I thought, I pray that today all of us would be able to walk out these doors. And if someone, to, someone were to ask you or tell you that we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, you would be able to say, my Jesus. That's my Jesus. That's my Lord. And when someone tries to silence the name of Jesus, you look at it and say, that's my Jesus you're trying to silence. That's my Lord. That's my Savior. I belong to him. I think that's why Jesus said when they asked, the disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray? I believe Jesus smiled at that moment and he says, you start off with our Father. Because that's my Jesus. That's your Jesus. He's ours. We're the church. Christmas can't be stopped because Christ can't be stopped because he lives in you and I. We live in a world that is, it doesn't understand his peace. Let's be Jesus in this world. And when we're Jesus in this world, we cannot be stopped. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ, your one and only Son. We were once in darkness, but now we have seen a marvelous light, a great light that all may see and understand that we have a Savior. For some of you, you're here today and you're wondering, I don't, I don't know Jesus yet. I've never given my heart to him. Well, I'm going to say a prayer right now, and if you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, then you can repeat these words, but mean it with all of your heart. In fact, we can all say this prayer, but especially for those who have never given their hearts to Jesus. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for being born and living a life pleasing to the Father. Thank you for dying for my sins and washing me clean. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to give me eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed and eyes closed, how many of you, for the first time, you said yes to Jesus? Would you just lift a hand just real briefly? I want to pray for you. And you said yes to Jesus today for the first time. Okay? Anyone that said yes to Jesus, just lift your hand real briefly. God sees your hand. God bless you. Anybody else? You said yes to Christ today. Yeah, God sees your hand. Yeah, he sees you back there. God bless you. Yeah, he sees your heart. He definitely sees your future. You can put your hands down. How many of you, like myself, boy, there's always conflict that happens in my heart. 
that I have my old ways that, I, that tend to sneak up on me and attitude comes up, wrong thinking comes up. I treat people in a way that I shouldn't. And maybe as a believer, you're just saying, Lord, I want to be more like you. I don't want Christ to stop working in me. Today, I choose to seek the Savior even more than I ever have. And if that's you this morning, would you just lift a hand and you're saying, I choose to seek you. Yeah, all of us, Lord. We choose to do that. You see our hearts, Lord. You can put your hands down. Lord, I pray for all of us that we would constantly seek the Savior, that we would look to you as our guidance. Thank you for being the one and only Son of God that came to give us freedom and this free gift of eternal life. We thank you for this season in which we celebrate the Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, amen.